Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Toyin, you mystery, and welcome to my live show. I've actually revamped this as Tuesday's Live with Toyin. And today I have a very, 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 very special guest, a dear friend of mine who is doing incredibly amazing things, joining us from Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, Chef Jules, welcome, welcome. So let me try and officially introduce you to our guest today. And um, I, I'll still give her an opportunity to share. She, I mean, we have so much to talk about, okay? You guys are going to be a fly on the wall to our amazing, amazing, amazing conversation. So, Juliet Aigwe is also known as Chef Jules, is the founder of Cake Flare, of Buffet Bakeries Limited. I may not have said that well. I was trying to figure out how to say it, <laughs> but I'll give you an opportunity to say it well. I think it's like a French name. Um, but Cake Flare, is um, a luxury cake company all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, that has carved a niche in the confectionery industry by producing high hat sugar craft, decadent and lower calorie cakes options using awesome recipes that embody their vision. You know, they also have, you know, opportunities for guilt-free happiness, you know, creating guilt-free happiness one cake at a time. Cake flares um, commands knowledge in commercial food processing. Um, and in fact, she, she, I mean, let me just describe her in my own words, okay? She is an innovator, right? She is absolutely creative. But beyond that, she's a futurist because a lot of the conversations I have with her, we're thinking about supply chain, the future of um, coconut industry and making sugar substitute, which are some of the things we're going to talk about today. So, Chef Jules, welcome. Say hello. Hi, thank you for having me, Tony. It's a delight to be here. And I honestly look forward to our conversation. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And if you're joining us, please say hello. So there'll be people joining us. They are going to join in the chat towards the end. There might be questions for you. But I tell you, first of all, I have to thank you. Because this is your busy time of the year, you know. Christmas yeah. is just days away. You're right there in your in your um, office <laughs> slash you. kitchen. I <laughs> am mixing you. and everything. I was like, oh, you know, I just let's just do this. So I have yeah. to thank you for taking time out. Um, so can you introduce us to your, you know, cakes and all of those things right there, the yeah. pyramid of your products? Thank you so much, Tony, for having me. I had to extract myself from downstairs production floor to come up here to do this and so i don't have my makeup on but i'm, I'm cool i'm super excited to be here and uh yes as she said i founded cake flare a couple of years ago first as a pastime then i went to seek commercial opportunities by going the full distance in how i can really penetrate the market and see how i can make a difference and so i started out with uh made to measure working cakes birthday cakes wedding cakes and the rest of it you know but i did that like a creative uh you know like pastime you know i did that so, so when i started doing that when I, I realized that i was tying it down i couldn't really travel i couldn't go out because everything has to depend on me but, um, so i just started thinking okay how can i make this business credible how, how can i run this on autopilot without having to be there all the time so that was i started doing the trying to say i can do a turnkey model how i need to uh create a system where it can work without me being there so i started you know trying to you know read stuff about corporate governance Went to business school, Lagos Business School, and I also, you know, came to the United States to do um, pastry science at the French Pastry School in Chicago to learn, you know, 
how to really do this as a business, you know. So when I came back to Nigeria, I was just ready to go the full distance. So I set up a bakery in 2014, or 2016, I opened up a bakery where I had bread, I was doing cakes, I had a sugar craft skills school, and I was in just like a three-in-one kind of uh, arrangement, and I got in some staff to also help build the brand. So, and that was I was like doing the bread and everything, but you see, something happened in 2017, government increased tariff on wheat importation by 15%, and so it meant that we won't be able to do bread at the regular commercial price, and I couldn't really start changing my recipe to include um, what I call additives that are carcinogenic, so I couldn't change the, the recipe completely, and if I did that, it would mean doing substandard, um, not wholesome quality, and then make you know good margins. I just thought it goes against my values, you know, of integrity and doing the right thing. So I had to pivot the bread business into cake mixes. So I have my cake mixes here. I have six products. I have the Nutri Sap, the one that takes care of uh, those who are diabetic, they don't want to like eat sugar. So I use coconut nectar as the sweetening agent for this particular brand. And so if you're diabetic and you're worried about your, your sugar level, blood sugar level, so it doesn't spike up your blood sugar level. So with a glycemic index of 35, you can actually consume those products as a diabetic. I also have uh, the, the vanilla flavor, the vanilla flavor, the red velvet, the chocolate flavor. And then if, you're, if you cannot tolerate gluten in wheat products, we have the allergen-free, gluten-free one as well. And if you're like, okay, I don't bake at home, I can't even bake to save my life. Do you have anything else I can use? We have the pancake mixes, the Chef Jules pancake mix. So if you're not baking, you don't have an oven, you can still have that. And so I realized that with this kind of products, I could scale because I could scale bread, but I, I didn't, the margins were very minimal. And each time governments uh, put up a reg regulation that affects your cost of production or importation, the margin just goes, just knows dies. And so, but with this cake mixes, margins are still okay. You know, it can still scale. And, but you see, the only thing is that it's almost like a luxury goods because in Africa, we don't really have a culture of bacon, especially West Africa, English speaking Anglo, do you call them Anglo phone countries? We're not really like the Francophone countries where do a lot of patisserie and the rest of it. So it's still a culture that is evolving as developing. And so we are trying to re engineer people's minds to embrace bacon as a way of life. So that's uh, pretty much summary about the cake mixes. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> you and I also talked about during this year, COVID-19, yeah. how you've had to also adjust in two ways, really, that we've talked in the past. And if you want to share more with our audience, please feel free. So in the first way of, you know, being able to shift from production to the, the, the value of your cake mixes, being able to sell more during COVID, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, that's one. <laughs> Then you and I also talked about the power of social media and some of the tips you know I shared in the past. Yeah. Um, and you know, so yes, please, because what happens is we have other business leaders right now that have also been impacted with COVID-19. But I think your your experience is so fascinating. Um, in terms of if I if I can say you've grown during this year, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we've grown in leaps and bounds. That even COVID happened, well, I, I'm coming to say that because I know I lost some loved ones, which is very heartbreaking. But I realized I brought with it a new way of thinking, a new way of, you know, adopting uh, or adapting to life, you know. So what COVID did was make me think in a different way, you know, think out of the box pretty much. And so what, what we did was, you know, these products actually came to life during COVID. Before COVID, 
we'll just bake the cakes. Even bakers don't look at the cake mixes because they're like, I, I have my recipe. Or I have my. But when COVID happens and everybody has to be on lockdown, <laughs> they're like, oh my God. Okay, what do we now do at home? So uh, that oven I've been using, yes, let me go and see how to keep the kids engaged. You know, so I realized that the product was not targeted at keeping the kids occupied, making them more, you know, uh, useful at home, in quotes, you know. So the mixes now became like, oh, can I have two packs of cake mixes? In short, throughout the lockdown period, my staff didn't even leave the bakery because the bakery is a place, like a production place where you can actually still stay, leave, you have a living quarter. So they, they kind of stayed back. So we had orders of orders of the cake mixes. That was actually when like, you know what? People still go and shop in all the former retail outlets. So let's try and penetrate those markets. And so that's how we gained access to one of the formal retail outlets in Nigeria, actually one of the major ones. And so when I thought, okay, we'll just do the Lagos, Lagos stores. And when I got the, the PO, they said, you know what? Supply all our stores across Nigeria. I'm like, what? You know, so that was how I now said, okay, fine. Let's uh, see how we can do the supplies. And so this cake mix is in, is in every, single state of Nigeria where you have those stores um, uh, cited. And so we're, we're also planning to expand to other stores and even now try and see how we can penetrate West Africa with the mixes. And so one of the things that we did during the COVID time was produce this and then we, we had bikes that would go to homes to deliver it. And then we also have people who come to us to be like, you know, middlemen to pick the products in bulk, they buy wholesale, and they distribute it to other smaller stores in the neighborhood. So since you couldn't really go out into other parts of the, the town, so within your local community, we have the stores that even stock the mixes. And so that the COVID gave us a platform to make people take a second look at the idea of baking at home. So it was, it's, it's more like DIY baking. So if I can't can go and buy a cake, I can't do a party, I can bake at home, you know? So... And we started doing online courses because of this. And so if you, if you check the back of the package of the mixes, you can see learn, cakefair.ng slash learn, where you can go there. You see recipes you can try on your own. And so pretty much people started looking at no longer it's convenient for you to bake at home. So we were able to provide that idea of convenience baking without, you know, without being intimidated because baking can be quite intimidating. So when you say, ah, just two eggs, one, ah. I mean, I've kind of demystified the process for those who might want to bake at home. So even if you're not a baker, you can pull off a wonderful looking cake like a professional. So that's one thing that I think COVID helped us to really achieve. I think I've lost out on the second question. I can't really remember. Yeah, the second question, question was around, you know, so social media. Because I remember yeah. even before COVID, you and I have been talking about YouTube yeah. and how to structure your things and you know being the go-to yes. expert when it comes to cake and then yeah that's you know just <laughs> one of the things i i actually put together a course social mm. media for your business at the beginning of covid because i have been um i have a technology background so i embrace technology pretty fast so when covid happened i was like let's pivot right <laughs> then i realized that other people may not know the, the first few things they needed to do and that's why i put that course together and i've yes. seen you practicalize those things i'm saying people need to do yes yes absolutely so honestly i really really appreciate that's uh uh just that we had about you know social media i think you taught me a few things about even arranging my products and my brand in a way that can, you know, that can, can, can pull the experience of the customer in to tell the story of the brand, build an emotion around the product. I learned that from you. Thank you so much for that. And one of the things I learned with the COVID thing and then doing the product was I started doing online courses. I didn't, want, I didn't think I could do that, right? Because I, we have this very big set of the bakery where you can come upstairs and learn how to bake hands. And so I now set up a studio in my bakery 
where I now did courses. We have like 13 courses right now. And right now we have three top sellers, learn fruit cake class, uh, beginner bakers class, and then the baking templates. We already have that. So now we start doing the online classes and the social media approach. People now, people are now like, okay, more woke. You can use that word like, okay, what's going on? Let me see what's going on. If you want to buy a cake, just Google cake. So I started using things like hashtags. You taught me how to do that, you know, what's my YouTube <laughs> channel, speak in machine language. So when you, yeah. when you type what they're looking for, you know, and, not, and that, you know, when, when I spoke to you, we're like, maybe like 3,000 followers and stuff. Now we're hitting, we're close to 8,000 followers, wow. you know. <laughs> so, and that was because I, I, I kept using hashtags. I kept listening, listening about people looking for the emotional, or let me say the needs of people, and then building empathy with the products. Say, okay, you know what? I can solve this problem for you. Are your kids restless? Let them come and learn how to bake. Not, oh, buy my products. I look for the needs around the people and now tell the products around what they need. And when I go online, I see what's the trending posts. What are the tags that have the highest, you know, uh, trends or followership? So I, I put my products around those tags. Yeah. And I realized that I get lots of DMs. Do you remember, do you remember that, that time we, were, we went into Instagram? Yes. I was like, look at this hashtag. Look yes. at this. You know, yes. this is tough. Oh, wow. So when I'm doing like chocolate cake, I look at which one has the highest. Instead of just saying chocolate or cake, I just look at if I, if I add the two together, which one has the highest number of views oh so i now tag that so that has really helped me gain visibility i'm a very introverted person but it's not even about me it's about the people what do they want how do you put the products you know for them package for them to to see the value and draw into it so i had to do a flip like no it's not about me it's about the people what they want and what do i do does it meet their needs if it doesn't like the pancake mix too was a response to the fact that oh I don't really bake, you know. I don't. I don't have an oven. So how do you sell cake mix? So you don't have an oven. So I thought, okay, cake, not the pancake mix. You don't need to bake it. Just flip it. You know, still the same composition of flour, sugar, butter, eggs, but you know, in, in a different configuration. You can actually still, you know, do your pancakes without having to bake it like a cake mix. And so that was how this is the customer. The customer indeed is king because you know the pancake mix is even slightly more than the cake mixes because they're like, okay, we run out of mixes. I'm like, guys, do double shifts so we can produce more and meet. The local market. Honestly, the market is vast. I've just cracked the surface. I've not even, you know, really gone the full distance yet. And I'm super excited, you know, to you know know about this. I'm so happy that I can actually scale my cake making into mixes. And I'm kind of waiting to see what the future holds. I'm going full distance. I'm not looking back. I'm just putting my all in oh, it. <laughs> well, you know why I am so happy. I am so happy because. Um, on sat Saturday and then yesterday, someone called me and then I spent two hours with her uh -huh. trying to help her shape. And what struck me was that she said, Toin, I follow you very closely online, but I did not know mm. that that behind the scene, you actually, you actually do this type of coaching to help people position mm. their business. Like, so that was, that caught me back because you and I, we we talk, like I'm yeah. constantly checking in on people. I'm constantly yeah. advising. I'm constantly saying, do this, do this, right? But one thing that is happening for me now is I'm now structuring mm. how to help as many people, not just one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. That, that is something, just like you are learning and stretching, that was a stretch for me. Mm. Because the things that I naturally do, see, I used to provide strategic um stuff for the world's largest company the world's largest retailer so yeah. these things are like you know 
they're like natural to me. That's the world I come from, right? So I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy to support my friends and everything. But then I realized now with the AFCFTA, you and I, I was talking to you about yeah. the AFCFTA. And you said, what is that? I was like, you know, that's the graduation <laughs> now. That's the graduation. So we've started, um, I've now launched a course called, you know, for the SME businesses that want yeah. to go regional and global. So I talk about three markets, local markets, winning in the local market, winning in the regional market under AFCFTA, and then winning globally. And one thing I tell the people in my community and my membership is those three markets, <laughs> they run by th different rules. So AFCFTA, for those watching, it's the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, right? And it opens incredible, incredible opportunities for small and medium size for all companies. But yeah. in particular, the small and mid-sized company, and we almost have to put a number behind if you're making this type of revenue, then you fall into that category. That way we can yeah. distinguish because the bigger brands, they are hiring their consultants, they are figuring mm -hmm. this policy yeah. out, right? You also talked about the impact of policy change at the federal yeah. level to your business, to your margins. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that I actually have direct channels to government. So we held the Nigeria Investment Conference because oftentimes, okay, this is, this is me. This is what I've seen for real. A lot of the policies that they are implementing, sometimes they're getting directives for external actors. Mm, yes, I figured. Because I realized that they look like the anti-enterprise developments. It's not that they're anti, it's more of who are they listening to? Mm. Because the same year the vice president of Nigeria was saying, yay, we've moved up in the World Bank Index. It's about the same time. Another report is saying Nigeria now has the highest number of poor people in the world, over 90 million. So if you're happy, the World Bank Index is making you happy. That's an external window doing business in there, which is fine, but it doesn't say anything about GDP growth, exactly. unemployment level, right? Small businesses like yours. Yes. So it's almost like from a policy standpoint, yes, you can play to the external foreign players interested in, in investing in your market and all of that. But if that's the only index that matters most to you, you're mm. missing the key, the people that, that voted you in. Right. So, That's so, so you know, that brings this issue of backward integration to bed because I'm thinking, why aren't we pro local? Why aren't we producing? Why aren't our technology or developing technologies that focuses on producing things locally? Why are we still importing, looking for egg, forex? Now there's a cap on forex. As a local, as a small business in Nigeria, I can't even spend beyond a hundred dollars a month. And I'm thinking, all my technology comes from abroad. All the apps we use, how we even even put our products or even our courses online, we use you know apps that require us to pay in dollars. And I'm thinking, why can't we have local apps? Okay, let's even, let's even leave the technology part. Things like agriculture, like flour, sugar, butter, eggs. We don't produce enough. Do you know the way to produce in Nigeria? The entire way to production in Nigeria can only go through one of the uh, flour mills, one hour production, all the waste is gone. So we don't even have enough wheat to produce. We have a quantity issue and we have a quality issue because the kind of wheat we, produce, we need to produce to make bread are the ones that contain very you know, strong wheat flour, like that contains durian wheat and stuff like that. But we don't have that in Nigeria. So I'm thinking, why can't we backward integrate? Why are we still so... What, and why is the trade trade treaty is not equal? It's, it looks like we have to export. So okay. we, we, we export raw materials, and then we're now shipping finished goods to produce here. We can't, do you know I can't even export my products now when I was looking at the exchange rates and to even export to a place like Tesco? 
it's it's already it's like it's dead on arrival. You can't make a profit. So it's like I have to produce abroad to even be able to sell abroad. So I'm thinking, how do I begin to navigate regionally and then internationally when I can't even navigate locally? Mm, okay, let me go give a quick crash course on one of the um, trade and investment masterclasses. Let me shrink it into a few minutes, some of the things covered in there. There yeah. needs to be, number one, there needs to be a mindset shift at all levels. Whether you're in private sector, whether you're in policy, everything has to change. You have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Number one, I start my class with talking about foreign aid versus foreign trade. Because a lot of the agencies, a lot of federal agencies right now, there are some things they should be doing they won't even do if there's no donor support. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so I try to tell them foreign aid did not make China what it is today. So foreign aid is not going to take Africa to where it needs to be. It's a crutch. They're leaning on a crutch. So there needs to be a, 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 a complete overall when it comes to mindset because some of, some of the mindset is even things left behind when you think about um, the British colonization, there are still residual things of we need somebody out there to do X, Y, Z for us. Mm. That's in, even in the private sector. That's something directly to the private sector. You are your own heroes. So okay? how do we break that jinx? How do we break that jinx where we don't have to go so westward? When, oh. Number one, just like you've committed, you have to recommit that this is the only answer for economic development in Nigeria. Yes. Like some people say yes, but they say it with half of their hearts. <laughs> okay, but I've said this for how many years? Close to 17 years now. So yes. beyond, so yes. affirmation, beyond yes. this affirmation, what are the practical things that need to be in place to do for this yes. really situation? So in your in, you need to also think industry. Yes. So you are one, you're a leader in your, in your field but in order for you to push in regional and global markets, you need to think industry. How is your industry behaving right now? Like, how can you influence your industry? Because collectively, as an industry, you can lobby the government. But as an individual, they may not listen to you, to your yes. own need. Oh. So practical. So one of the practical things I advocate for is the private sector needs to organize itself. Hmm. and shout their voice and your voice your industry voice needs to be loud hmm. but if you are not all together as an industry you are winning one person is winning that person is winning you cannot go to the government right now and say oh agriculture i need abc as an individual so supply okay, chain sorry i need, I need to cut in here at this point please, please, yes, please. you're saying create advocacy groups around your industry that's How one how do we begin to do that? Because I'm looking like, because we've been trying to do all this association thing. When people come there, you know, it ends end up becoming like, oh, we have we have bills to pay. We have, so people always get on that survival mode as opposed to becoming aspirational or trying to self-actualize this Nigerian dream. So it's always, always about trying to survive. So once you can't get past that survival, it's difficult to start saying, okay, let's continue this struggle until we can get the government to listen to us. The, the journey actually starts, it gets halfway and everybody just, just fizzles up because they still have bills pulling them to go and fix. So essentially, we, are not, we have not been able to successfully band together as an African group in Nigeria or a Nigerian group to say, we have made the government listen to us. Except mm. maybe the next last moment where you see the, And even that, you can see that there's a, there was a lot of funds 
galvanizing that movement. So you see, it still comes down to this idea of empowerment, or let me say resource, that helps you to make this community advocacy possible. So how do you begin to make that happen? Yes, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to point back to some a private conversation you and I had about some of the work you were doing, even at the community level. I think it was several months ago, you were telling me, you know, in my community, maybe buying power or buying this, you were the leader here and then you left. And what did I tell you? I said, go back, <laughs> go back and lead. <laughs> Wasn't that what I said? You were saying, I've done it, I'm done, I'm moving. And what did I say? <laughs> I said, back. go back. And then go back, go back and lead. All it takes is someone like you. Like you, someone like you is what it takes. You have access to somebody like me. You can pull me in to talk to your community, even if they will not listen to you. Just set up a meeting. Like yesterday, I was talking to um, the consulate in New York, and I said, Hey, I'm giving you one hour of my time. Like as as government in New York, I'm I'm offering you one hour of my time. Organize, you know, organize, reach out to whatever community, organize a, a webinar. I will show up and give you one hour of my time. Like I would help train, I will help. Like one hour is not too much for me to offer, right? That's mm. what I would also encourage. Like this, if we know this has to happen, like the success we are all craving cannot happen without private mobilization and capacity development like one of the things i tell people is everything in the global and regional is process different you if you skip step two you are not moving forward so i know it would be nice to hear a easy route around this thing but i am saying face that wall and break it down and it's going to take somebody like you. And you're one of the most influential people in the industry, right? <laughs> you are an award-winning, well-recognized. You, you actually have more, like if you are saying this, like you actually have much more influence and reach internationally than an average baker. You have access to banks. You have access to, you, you, you have what it takes but I also recognize that you, you also have your business. You have to run your business. But you almost have to take the advocacy part as um, a mission. Yes. I mean, I mean, you know, funny enough, I actually went to one of the Lagos State Prostitals to really help with my coconut sugar. I can mention it, didn't know, last quarter, you know, so to help with the coconut sugar um, value chain for the coconut nectar pass. Because I, when I say, look, guys, you guys, as a coconut development association, designed to help, you know, um, tap into this value chain. Who are the actors in this value chain? Nigeria is the 18th world producer of coconuts. And yes, what we get, we're just scratching the surface. Say, so, yeah, that's true. You need funding. I say, if governments really need funding to do that, then what about small SMEs like us who are coming up to do stuff? Why can't you just partner with us? Let's talk to the farmers and then help them create a culture around coconuts so that they can, we can just put all the actors together and then draw into that, tap into that value chain and then make Nigeria not just the number 18, but people showed up to the top 10, you know, and then exports. We have this in abundance. We have it in Nigeria, we have it in the East, we have it all around us. And we have the coastal type and we have the, the ones that are not in the coastal type. So I feel like we have not even scratched. I went back and forth, back and forth. I was frustrated with the entire process. Even though you had the DGD try to help, you really, really galvanized. We talk, I said, okay, so let's move from talking to doing now. Get, get me two of your guys from the WhatsApp group. Okay, let's get the farmers on board. Let's go visit them. And then let's see who can help us tap, do a pilot project to commercialize this and see 
if you can actually find a business model that will work and then if you can get them to you know plant the seeds give them a subsidized rate so if you're if you're buying seed like maybe one thousand you know maybe half the price and say make them grow these things and then we can now we can use it i'm not a producer of oil palm or uh, uh, coconut trees but i can use the nectar to produce things like nutri-sap nutri-sap diabetics can eat cakes look at the all stretch house you know christmas is here christmas cake fruit cakes they're like oh i'm not doing cakes right because they are afraid of sugar but with nutri-sap they can eat their cake and have it without having to worry about glycemic index being spiked up and stuff like that. so but when we have that in our backyard why aren't we doing that so for me i realized that Yes, there's government initiative that policies are, we have one of the best policies on even agriculture. But in terms of drawing that value chain, bringing it to reality, there's this gap. There's just, I don't know what's not working because I feel like we talk a lot and then when it comes to implementation, we're just found one thing. I don't know why. And I'm, I'm trying to see how we can break that dream. So make sure that we can walk that talk and produce results that will really bring us, we, we call ourselves Africa's giants. And I'm thinking, okay, we have the potential. But in reality, we're not even anywhere near there. Yes. And what I would say is it's it starts with conversations like this, because as you're talking, there's also someone that I'm supporting and guiding with my classes and everything that's actually in the Ministry of Agriculture. Right. And, yeah. you know, there might be things I may not be able to share publicly, but that's somebody that um, it's almost like has to do with. You have to create a new initiative tied to an existing to um should i say for example afcfta mm, so okay. afcfta is something the presidency has signed it's 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 this is the politics of there's a politics side to um getting people buying and getting work done right oh. because everybody's always in what's in it for me what's in it for me so even in you driving this the committee and the stakeholders that you bring together there must be something in it for them Oh. And the strategy you have to employ is that you have to really understand what they, what game are they playing when I say game. So, for example, <laughs> so for, let's just play this strategy now publicly. If okay. I were you, I would design something around African Continental Free Trade Agreement is here, January 1. We in, the, in this community, we are trying to, the private sector, we are trying to mobilize ourselves to take advantage of AFCFTA. The mm. SSA to the Action Committee on AFCFTA is a direct contact I can link you up with. So at the national federal level, they have committee upon committee upon committee upon committee or <laughs> just on AFCFTA. So you need to bundle this your agenda inside. Mm. You need to insert it as AFCFTA will work if you will help us succeed in this space. Mm. Because under AFCFTA, you are telling us to go compete with Egypt, with Ghana, with South yeah. Africa. Because that's what it means is that the regional market is now open to Nigeria. Yeah, I guess you. So that would be the agenda. So what is going to happen is banks now are looking for agenda AFCFTA. Ministries okay. are looking for agenda AFCFTA. So bind, bind your your what you're trying to do to yeah. AFCFTA implementation <laughs> <for the> cake industry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like this wow. is our own AFCFTA agenda <laughs> oh that's fantastic i didn't think i would you see, see that, that's how it's good to have a conversation like this so just need to come out of my own bubble to see okay it's not working doesn't work it doesn't work it's gonna, i'm a, a diehard optimist i thought okay i'm not gonna just be having this hazy fuzzy mirage of always seeing it ahead and then never really reaching it it's just because oh, yeah. you know you know no and 
this because I support a lot of people behind. Again, that's one of the things I think I need to do better on going forward is exposing some of the things we do privately. So even as you're talking right now, there's work I'm doing with um, leather industry, Kano Lagos yeah. Integration, where I even brought one of the leaders, the SSA to the um, governor of Kano. I've, I've been featured and, you know, because the same thing you are explaining, this is the ultimate challenge we have across Africa, value mm. chain development. They are yeah. broken into pieces, so we have to patch it up. And this will yeah. take years of work. But I see people like you, and I'm super excited. So people wonder to, sometimes, a lot of people in the diaspora are like, Tony is always excited. Tony is always happy. Because, I mean, how can you not be excited about the future when you're part of designing what that future needs to look like? Oh. I've already seen the future, right? I've already, with my work at Walmart, at the world's largest, I already know the value and the number. Forget oil. Walmart is half a trillion dollar annual sales company. Wow. What's the GDP of Nigeria? You see what I'm saying? So the yep. power of when you tap into the power of the youth, Africa has the youngest workforce. Over the next 20 to 30 years, Africa is going to have on at least another 1 billion people. Mm. While the wow. rest of the world is shrinking in population. That's huge. But you see, but I, mean, but I, was, I was saying to you offline before now that, okay, so we have this large, huge market. But then what's the buying power of that market? It's highly fragmented. It's you know, so highly fragmented. Think about what happened during the era of Obasanjo's just presidency when he was trying to liberalize the uh, mobile, mobile, mobile phone. What's yeah. going on is that a lot of things happen in the informal market that is not documented. People don't know that that money exists. So if you look oh. at the numbers, they will tell you, and Nigeria is poor, Nigeria is this, which is fine. And that's what is the argument that they cannot afford mobile phones. You know, Nigerians, they are so poor, they cannot afford mobile phones. <laughs> you and I now, people have two, three in their... Oh, yes. Even the Abokis, the Megas, yeah. they also have the Aboki becoming... <laughs> yeah, so, look at, so, so what's going on is... All we are doing now is trying to formalize an informal sector. Like people like oh. our grandparents, they had this informal banking where it's under their mattress, they yeah. throw money, they don't go and take it to the bank. So the, yes. and that's still happening. The bank, oh. if you look at the, the funds circulating in the banks, that's not a true picture. There's a lot of mm. informal things through Benin Republic, all of those things that is happening. All this border. Yeah, but also, can you, let me chip in a little bit because I, I hear what you say about. Oh, okay, making it from our sector, from, from and everything. But you see, there's also the products. There's some products you cannot you cannot bundle like that. Like my cake mixes, I'll call them mass market products. Maybe pancake mix comes close, but cake mixes is not like I don't call it FMCG pretty much. It's not like oh, your Gary or your breads or your soap and stuff. Like that. These are things that you can do without. They're like luxury items, pretty much. So it's okay. Let, let's make it. Let's create market connectivity by making it affordable. Maybe the design innovation, yeah, it's small and you know you can afford it. But if you look at it, it's not something that you survive on. It's not a survival product. So for my kind of product, it's a different strategy because I feel like ah, you can't just go and say, okay, we buy cake mix. You live in a place like you know a slum location, you probably don't have access to even gas cooker, suckers of oven to bake. So for me, I have to be careful how I also say I'm scaling because you know it's not it's not a, it's like almost a niche market, it's not a mass market product. So how do I differentiate my products? In, you know, in that skills space and still, okay. you know, use adopters policies. Okay, so 
one of the classes I teach now is called business development. And it's a five-step process I take people through. Because what you're, what you're describing, you remember what I said before we joined the live? Yeah. It's not an anomaly. It is our mm -hmm. marketing. So let me explain. In business development, I teach people how to understand what they're doing. And then I'll skip to step three. Step, let me just say step two and three is about your customer profiles. Like mm. what you're describing, I would actually walk you through creating maybe three customer profiles because you shouldn't be going after everybody, even in your social media strategy. Not everybody's interested yes. in what you're doing because this is the work you have to do before you actually even start marketing your product. Because when you know your customers, you will then say, where are they? Yeah. Right. So, so the first thing will be, let me just, I want to quickly, I know we are live, but um, let me see number, two, number two, let me just skip step one. Step two is developing your customer profiles, your avatar. This is my ideal customer. She works hard. She's a professional. She has young kids. She wants to live a westernized mindset. She's yuppie. She's this. And then you have to say what are our aspirations and what are our gains. Because the luxury market is actually designed. You know, we that we do Gucci, Louis Vuitton, all of those things, right? It's designed to meet the aspirations of a certain type of people. It's not for everybody. Yeah, that's true. So they say, okay, this is the type of people that can buy our product and we're going to create it and we're going to market it just for them. They're not mm -hmm. marketing it to everybody. But when you know who your customers are, then you would say, what are their aspirations? Yes. So your brand could be an aspirational brand. You are saying, what you're telling me, it's not a need. Like people can do without it. But I'm telling yeah. you, there are custom, there's, there are groups of people that in order for them to live the certain lifestyle they want to live, this is a need for them. Mm -hmm. Like it's like I'm a mom, yes. I want to hang out with my young daughter, I want to, you know, for them. Yeah. Yes. So after you can design three three groups of people, and this is how they think, this is how they talk, this is how what they are looking for, and we can help them achieve those things. And then pain could be. I want to like some of the pains could be you talked about diabetics, this, I don't have this. Those are pain points. You've actually done the work, but you've done it, you've you've not structured like your <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Like you've done the work, you've done the work because everything you're saying, you've identified those trends. But yeah. I think there's a side of you that is seeing it as why, but I'm saying that is what you call cons customer consumer insights. So you mm. actually have insights that you should be documenting mm. for your business, and you should. You know, be you know, what you said is so powerful. What you said is really powerful because this idea of uh, designing the groups of people for it, if I look at it like, like a pyramid, for you to buy a cake mix, you're not going to be at the bottom. You're going to be like maybe middle or higher up. So that pyramid, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I can actually create, and not maybe think, but like, okay, Julius. You're going to scale, right? That means in every locality, there's a niche of people that will buy this. They're not really like the mass, you know, uh, the volume, the, let me say the, the let me say 20% of people that want, want to buy stuff like, why don't you just create things like mass niching, where you do a mass niche in this locality, maybe just 2% will buy this product. Then look around my entire uh, locality and see how many local governments do I have? So in each of the local governments, where would I likely get this? And now have a presence in each of that, and I create like a sort of, a mass niching strategy 
where I can just aggregate that niche and say, you know what? I may not have mass market, but I have mass niche. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm trying to re-engineer that and see how I can tap into that. Yes. So so there's also a strategy they call blue, there's a book, Blue Ocean Strategy. So, and then red ocean. Part of the what they talk about is are you fishing in a blue ocean or are you fishing in a red ocean? There are certain products right now, okay, that it's a red ocean. Yours is a blue ocean in Nigeria right now. Right, let me explain. Red ocean is it's crowded. Everybody is in that ocean, yeah. right? Meaning everybody is selling maybe pencil. I don't know. I'm just giving an example. where So they are competing for a small group of fish. Yeah. You have a blue ocean that is yet untapped. What it also means is you are doing a lot of, you are actually creating a market that doesn't exist. Mm. Because I've I've had to do that. Like the work I do at Nazaru, this first two, three years, because that market or that conversation and those platforms never existed where you and I, I'm in the diaspora here in Chicago. You are in Lagos, Nigeria. We've breached, the platform I've created has breached us and we are talking as if we are sitting next to each other. This <laughs> oh, thank you, but this needed to happen, yeah. but it did not exist before. Where we are helping each other solve and bringing my knowledge and helping you address and helping you grow both ways. So I had to spend the first couple of years making noise, trade with Africa, trade with Africa, right? So I've literally, I tell, I joke around with my husband. I say I created a new industry and I've mainstreamed. I've mainstreamed Africa as a commercial conversation internationally. Yeah, well done. I'm super proud no, of you. No, thank you. But I'm saying you may have to do the same, which is like when you go into a wild field, you are cutting, you are the one leading in from cutting down. You're saying we're going to sell packaged sugar. We're going to sell packages. Well, you know, it has been done in other markets, but in your market, in your local market, it's not mainstream. What it means is you're going to do more work. Which is where I also have to applaud you. I'm really um thank you for affirming me on this path. It's kind of really validates uh what I'm doing because I, I just thought Julia, why are you always doing these weird things? Why are you always going you know, follow the tide, swim with the tide? But I realized that I'm always seeing lights where people don't even see anything. Like okay, coconut runs and Julia coconut sugar. That's high end. It's too high end now. So I already had a naysayer saying, oh, please, Julius. In short. My professor of nutrition, <laughs> yes, he's gonna like <laughs> ring for me. Like he said, Joe, that's too complicated. That's what he said. Because you mm. know, and he said that from a good place. Like, ah, Juliet, I see all the work you put in this thing, though. this Nigeria that we are in. Oh, I want to do that's complicated to you know, you need, you need resources, you need, you know, you need advocacy groups, you need them to support me, you need the value chain to come around and say ah, so he saw that it was a Achillean task. And you just trying to not make me, you know. Go too far and waste energy. Just you know, look for someone that will be mass marketing client. But you know, I realized that I am not wired. You know, and and I did bread. I did mass market bread. I, I am not wired for just making things uh, scalable and then quantify them and then make a margin. I'm looking at quality. Quality is key for me. How can I make it wholesome? Because I grew up in a family where we grew our foodstuffs from scratch. We only used to buy rice, salt, and sugar. Every other thing that we ate in my home, we grew from our farm. It was more like a farm-to-table lifestyle I grew up with. So I already understand the taste of authentic meals, authentic meals. So when I eat meals, I'm like, ah, this already has a synthetic. I can't eat it. So for me, I already, I'm already built up. I was, I was groomed and wired up to know what is quality and what is not. So 
I realized that, see, Juliet, you're almost like a lone voice in the wilderness. You know, almost feel like, should it be a businesswoman or just an artisanal fashion? He said, if you're going to be a businesswoman, Juliet, look at the mass markets. I'm like, no. There's also a market that wants quality, that wants, you know, to put value, to get value for what they're spending their money on. So I think I'm wired for that market. So how do I now package myself or package the products to, you know, meet those needs? And that's where I haven't found mentors or I haven't found ah. any validation, pretty much. I met you, I'm like, Juliet, don't worry. This I'm like, oh, sorry, you're in America. I'm in Nigeria. <laughs> you know, it's a different ball game. Yeah. But over there, you have a advocacy group for practically everything. If you are an alcoholic, you have a group for it. In Nigeria, you are, you are, you are, you are. But there's a beautiful thing. There's a beautiful thing now happening, though. Remember, I talked about the AFCFTA. Yes. And I learned about now, that. The, <laughs> the next step I would push you for is that map your customers in nigeria and start mapping your customers in south africa in egypt pick top five countries okay right because you're going to then be able to say who the same the, the amazing thing about africa even though we have divided up we all have similar inclinations mm. like if you win and the thing about nigeria i tell people if you can break in in Nigeria, it's easier to bake in in any other African country. Oh, I totally agree with that. <laughs> I totally I agree with that. That is not true. Just because you are winning in Egypt doesn't mean you can come to Lagos and do anything. Yeah. You know, I was on a show with Kenya. I said, Kenya, you if you want to come to Nigeria, you better just partner with somebody already in Nigeria because yeah. <laughs> Lagos will smoke you. <laughs> and then Lagos runs like a mafia system. You know, and I feel like, you know, that also affects this thing called the Nigerian dream when you have to know someone. I, I, I just think that was a, a very good thing to know someone to get me. But I realized that you could actually be used as a strength. Know people, connect with people, let them see the value of what you're doing. And, you know, truth has a way of just finding on its own. You don't, need, you don't need people to, you don't need to pull them in. Once they connect with an idea that this is true, they actually do support you. Nigerians actually support each other. But the issue is that that initial coming together is where the problem really is. Yeah, but what you just talked about, though, let me just, another thing that I, you're saying a whole lot of things that I'm saying, that's the rule of the game. You talked about networking and who knows who. Whether yeah. you're in Nigeria, whether you're in international, it's the same. It's mm. the same, even here. The only difference I would say is that the speed at which you can be a nobody and become a somebody differs country to country. But even going from being a nobody to somebody, you still have to use no people. It's, it's, it comes from your ability to network. Mm. So a lot of times people don't put value. The work I do is all about influence and knowing who the right stakeholders are, who can move mountains for me. Like I'm in conversations right now where I'm like texting this major, major person who is an advisor to a president. I'm like, come and advise me. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm, this is where I am hearts right now. Oh, I'm I'm now starting to, you know, niche down to to grow. I this is I'm at a junction where I just need thirty one hour of your time so that mm. I can give you a presentation of this is what I have accomplished. Mm. This is what I'm trying to position and based on your vantage point and the way you see the world and the incredible things oh. you've done. What would you advise me to do? So I'm I'm right. So but people don't do that. Mm. But yeah. I told I, I told another lady to you two two days ago. I said, and these are the things I do behind the scene, right? I said, who is your board of director? Not board of director in terms of structure, 
But I told her she needs a three, and let me share that with you. Maybe we've talked about it before. Three groups of people should be relevant to you. Mm. People you are pouring into, and you do that really yep. well. The girls you you volunteer with, you know, yeah. a lot of the things you tell me you do, you bring girls into your your baking studio. Okay. You go to their school, you pa you partner with them, you bring yeah. them to your bakery, you teach them home skills. Yeah. You do you're doing that anyway. But if that is all you're doing, you are going to be drained. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, but you need that for fulfillment because the next set of people that will come behind you. They should not struggle the same way you struggled. Okay. Which is where giving back comes in and grooming the next set of leaders of the future. But you also need a peer group. Peer group. So people you're pouring into, then people peer group. That's peer suit. group. And your peer group. Okay. This is another thing I tell. <laughs> there are so many things. Maybe this show will be about, you know, my public, <laughs> um, whatever, right? There's something else I told somebody. I said, check your cell phone. You need, I mean, if you go down the list of contacts, if you want to go international, if you want to go regional, who can you call right now that will open a door for you? Mm. Like, because your peer group need not be local group. You mm. have peers in Egypt. You have peers in Ghana. You have peers in South Africa. You have peers in the US. You have peers in the UK. That you could okay. be, you could be having once a month, once a quarter webinar conversation with them to say how is the confectionery industry in your space. You know, you know, Tony, why, why is that so powerful about the peg? I think even though I have a this this thing just described my my secondary school WhatsApp group is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, my secondary school classmates they are everywhere, Australia, America, and they're all. Let me say eighty percent accomplished. So I realized that when I was talking about the cake mix, Jill is already in Canada. He's in Canada. He's in America. He's in Europe. He's just gets Australia, but he'll soon be there. Just let me buy Pepsi. I'll give it to my friends. So they're like, "Oh, this is really hard." Nigeria. If you see the group, they're so like engrossed in Nigeria and Nigeria. I'm like, "How oh, you guys are?" But no, Nigeria is a father. So there's this passion, and so they kind of like a galvanized support system around me. You can do this, Juliet. Oh yeah, do this. They'll even give me suggestions. I say, ah, guys, six products, please. Let me let me keep the tipping point first. If I can now start expanding the product, I say, no, look at Bessie Crockers. Look at they will show me links. They've supported me phenomenally well. I think the reason why I've hit up to six products is because of them. You said, let me buy it. Even when I didn't have my correct, don't worry, or paper for me. I'll practice, I'll bake it and show you what it's. So they kept testing my products. What about the packaging? Make it to paper. I got to my England. They will send pictures to me in Tesco. Look at this. So they really did try to help me to break out of this Nigerian local mindset, go regional, like you said. And I'm glad you mentioned the AC. Yes, yes, yes. Uh -huh. So trust me after this conversation, I'm going to go. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, because together, because you know? <laughs> your, president, your president already signed it. It's now law. Come January mm -hmm. 1, the Secretariat is in Ghana because we do some work with them. This mm -hmm. is law. This is law. I mean, there's one of my community members. She's a young um, business, young lady in the north. I'm telling you, she's like, she even sent me a long message yesterday. She said, Toyin, everything I'm learning since I joined your community. She's in Kaduna. Wow. She joined my network. Immediately she joined. Things have changed because she's networking now with African-Americans. They're buying, they're doing with her. She said, but can I be translating these things you're sharing into Ausa? Mm, wow. <laughs> because because even in the north, we've never had AFCFTA. Nobody's telling us that there is dynamic. 
But so how did you hear about this? Because I, I didn't... <laughs> You yeah, because I, that's that's the core of my work. Like uh, twenty nineteen, and I can send you some videos. We invited His Excellency Ambassador Muchanga from the headquarters of the African Union, um, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. He came to Chicago to my event, and he gave us a keynote of AFCFT and the vision they have for one African market. And I have my I have a pin that he gave me as African Union. I should have worn it. Oh, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but that's that's the core of the work we're doing where the African market is now effective January 1. It has been, it, it is being ratified. So this is something big that is happening at the continental level. But remember what I said before we went live is that a lot of us have amazing big dreams, but we are staying, it's this, this colonial mindset where we, are, we have those dreams, but we think those dreams will come and meet us. Mm. Because yeah. when we realize it's that it's not really a colonial mindset, because I see the Western world, they don't wait and wait for things to fall. Because they because they they from the time, for example, US broke away from Great Britain, they were like, see ya, bye-bye, we don't need you, we're on our own. <laughs> okay, they cut that umbilical cord, they severed mm. it, mm. they cut it off. Look at even let's just say COVID nineteen response in Nigeria. A lot of the advisory is still foreign influenced. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm I have to find the best way to describe it. But what I am saying is that the colonial mindset told us, "Give us your resources, give us your oil. We would manage." Remember, federal government. Even let's just even forget colonial. The current um structure of the Nigerian government even relates to what I'm saying, where mm. the state cannot do things without the federal. Yeah. The, the federal brings all the resources into the federal government, and then they, you now start coming state by state to come and get your quota. Yes, it was that constitution, 1999 constitution, that kind of, I think we need to go and revisit that constitution and reenact it in a way that can now fit uh, modern-day Nigeria. Because I look at all, all the things here, you're not autonomous, we're almost like codependents, and then those who are not really uh, uh, pulling up and all that part, they seem to pull back the, the states that are kind of doing that. And I feel like every state has their strength, really. If you look at Nigeria, we have vast resources. I mean, when I was much younger, I used to have this kitchen area, those are uh, granite pyramids in up north. I and mean, where are they? They've disappeared. Then coconut, the cocoa in the west. So everything now boils down to this modern economy of oil. And now with the, with the forex that's happened and everything. So, See, it's time to actually go back to that back on integration that I was talking about, where we can look at what are we producing locally. Why can't we? I mean, I'm still saying you say foreign rice, Nigerian rice. What's that? You just have one type of rice, Nigerian rice. Export states when you have excess, as opposed to you're not, you're not you're not competing with the foreign rice with Nigerian rice. You pack it, and you know the price point is even. Do you know what's really amazingly? Foreign rice is not even that expensive. I mean, it's, it's maybe like maybe like two percent price points higher than the local rice. I'm thinking so. Why are you saying Nigeria rice? It's almost the same price as imported rice. Oh, power has gone out. <laughs> Sorry. You know, so yeah. that's the issue with Nigeria. Oh, we don't have power supply. So I think uh, I might go off. Your like, your yeah. you, do you need a moment? I'm using the generator. I think we've run it since morning. Do you know? And that's what I'm saying, cost of production. I've run my generator since morning. There's been no power supply since when it has to rest. Otherwise, we won't be able to work tonight. You know, I understand. I, I, and these are, the, these, these, are the, these are the realities of the thing. No, you are living, you know, amazing. The thing is, you are living it out. All of the things we see, 
you are in the trenches. And that's why my message to the diaspora community is wake up to your responsibility, marshal your resources, and these are the places we need to start investing in, right? We need to start, instead of us saying, oh, back home is this, back home is this, I'm saying, look at you, pick one person. If I, one of the projects I'm trying to kickstart, I said, adopt a village. Just mm. adopt a village. Adopt, even adopt a business. Like I've yeah. adopted you in our <laughs> private, in our private conversations. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's a word of encouragement, something will change for you. Yes. Imagine, so now, you know, I look at my, my, my revenues, uh, whatever, when we're doing our, our, our P&L and our balance sheet, we looked at, we sp I spent 40% of my um my margins on power mm. i've been running generator you know like since morning with this like 5 p.m nigerian time we open mm. up the bakery as we didn't even go to bed I and mean, we worked overnight stuff for like two yes, hours so today, you AM, 12 hours now on generator that's mm. serious cash flow going down the drain you know what i used to, to do r d but it's spent on just keeping the business afloat. And those are things that affect us. And I'm not looking for aid from, from anywhere else. I'm just saying, you know what? How can we make this work in Africa? How can we solve this problem of power? This is 60 years after independence. We still have these basic issues going on. You know, so those, those are the things that eat into our own profit margin that makes us see, you know, just do, can't manufacture. How can you manufacture and compete with brands like Hungry Jack? How? How do you do that? When I'm running my, my own plants on diesel, on, on petrol, how do I do that? So it's pretty expensive, you know, to, to do this. Someone said there are dark forces on the ground. That was, that was <laughs> you saw me, I was... Dark forces, you know what I mean? There are human spirits there. They're not evil. They're humans that will just go there and install yeah. the structure. What we have in Nepal is very leak. How do we get new ones? We don't even have technology. And we have, yes, we have first-class graduates from Yale, from Harvard, Nigerian engineers. Who, so I'm like... Why are they? Come and fix this thing for us. Because I'm not an engineer. I engineer food products. So I'm doing my own bit here. You know, so some issues to talk about. Yeah, okay. When I saw that comment, I was I was like, that was his on. You know, so it's, it's really amazing. Are you really talking amazing. about us? See, the, the laugh, this is not funny. It's not. Dark forces. Oh my gosh! I've told people like this show is is people are just you're a fly on the wall. These are conversations we have in private. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to hear your life went off. <laughs> so that's what we face here in Nigeria. I'm glad you experienced it real time now. And it means for them, I, I just go off because my my Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi, I use fiber one optics. Fiber one optics operates fast supply. So it's not oh like in my file, you know, it's not like in my file, like I just okay, maybe it's powered by power bank. This without power supply, my fiber one optics, which is the most advanced this technology is, of Wi-Fi, is gonna go every off. day, you know. Yes. This is it, this is it, and this is why diaspora, if you're in diaspora, I have been saying it for years now. Yes, I mean should, should I be correct? Nigeria is a mess. 80%. Yes, I spent 40% of my of my my, my markup margin on power. 40%, imagine that. So how am I going to grow and be a power and be a global player when I can't even maintain my infrastructure? I mean, we're doing our very best, but that means I'm going to go home with a leaner, a leaner margin to keep afloat. And that's yes. when you're going to relocate. Like, you know what? You can't do like, you can't waste this precious life just trying to make things work when other 
forces cannot make up for you know, so, you, you know okay this is my this is my challenge to everybody i usually talk about you know what does it take to to grow a nation if you were to count the number of people in power, because one of the mindsets also that we have to go against is, or go after is, oh, they are responsible for fixing Nigeria. They, they are the ones not doing this. Here's what's going on. If you are to count everybody, the number of people in government today, count all of them, everybody that's been voted. Let's say they cannot be more than maybe 2,000. Let's oh. even say there are 5,000 people in government controlling government in Nigeria. Yeah. How can we, 2 million, 200 million people, outsource our destiny in the hands of 5,000 people? Mm. <laughs> mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 2 million strong people in Nigeria, they are leaning heavily on, let's say, 5,000 people to fix everything. And one of my classes that I even delivered, um, in October, I delivered to about 14 African countries representative from 14 African countries part of there are several things I discussed with them because we also have to have a, a, a real serious conversation with those people in policy right yeah part of it is realizing that economic development happens at the grassroots mm. a lot of times people will say oh Abuja Abuja do you know the press he doesn't know your the address of your street right now I'm using the Nigerian language to say that if you know that help is not coming from central office, yes, we don't you just think yeah, you think differently, you, you think differently, you think creatively, you almost start creating your own government. Absolutely, that's what's happening. Right, my own, <laughs> because... my own power supply, my own water corporation, my own everything. My gen just needs to rest, otherwise, my staff will have switched the generator. I actually had two generators. I had to sell up one. I'm like, you know what? It was a hundred kVA. I was I was spending too much. I had to reduce it to a smaller one. And now we told that we, we, we work with Nepal. When I had to go to Nepal, I said, What time are you going to give us power supply? Let's have a sort of timeline to be sure. I said, Madam, there's always power supply. It's distribution that we don't have. We don't have a, we don't have a tools or the equipment to distribute what we, we generated. So half of what we produce are wasted. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you mean we have to generate? He said, well, if you can transfer of generators so far, you will have maybe longer, you know, uh, uh, hours for power supply. But because we can't, we can't even transmit what's been generated, we can't even distribute it. So that's the problem. Yeah. You see, how do how do I become? When they say, oh, be be, be self reliance I am self reliance and it's tough. I feel like yeah. I'm wasting resources. Efficiencies are kind of dropped. So I have to start scaling down, going lean. And you see, sometimes when you want to grow, yes, you go lean. But then we, we were so lean that there's no other leanness we can acquire. We're already working on the bare bone budgets. The issue is how do we now begin to have those infrastructures replaced? I want to be able to create a system around an ideal environment where I have my power supply 24 7. That's my goal. If I have that going out, I don't have to worry about stuff like this. And even, even the solar alternatives, they're more expensive than even the regular power supply that we have. So I feel like right now, we are doing the best that we can as Nigerians, being enterprising, pushing ourselves forward. But you see, we need basic infrastructure. I don't think that should be like a luxury. It should be like a right. It should be mm -hmm. a given mm -hmm. in this 21st century. So that's, I feel, look at like, one of six. They've come to replace uh, those power. Oh, you have to buy, you have to buy data. All I need is just pay monthly and I have access, unlimited access. Mm -hmm. But you see, it's so wrong on power supply. 
now if, if if i'm not careful after i'm i'll just go up you won't even see me here in the end because i'm running <laughs> wow. my ups right now if that one goes up that's it and the gen has to rest at least another one hour before we can come back on to continue where we're producing we're picking downstairs decorating cakes we need power supply to chill the cakes and package them so we need power supply that's for me it's like the holy grail you know of any business power supply just have that and nigeria yeah. can stop where it's not economy we're actually self economy we're not there's no yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to definitely one thing i'm going to do is i'm going to send this video <laughs> to a few people <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, don't worry some people will see this <laughs> some people that mm, you know at some level i'll send it to them i'll say okay you see you see right there <laughs> oh no all things all things work together this is good because this is a real life right we're yeah. talking about regional trade mm. so what's also happening within afcfta that the private sector like you need to have waking is that if this these infrastructure challenges are not fixed mm. People are coming January one. They are coming to penetrate your market. Hmm. Go, the competition you have now is no longer. Oh, who is my competition in Nigeria? Hmm. It's now regional. Yes, because people right now they're asking me, Toy, where should I? Who should? How should I sell? Where do I go? Like they are looking to penetrate. Nigeria is the biggest market, and literally, hmm. some people's full time job is to crack the Nigerian market. Yes. This comfort for it, and we're here, just like oh, you know, so it's, yeah, it becomes even more important at the policymaker level, at the private sector level. This has to be fixed. And but executing those policies, Tony, execution is key at this point. We have fantastic yeah. policies on paper. Go and read human rights policies. I mean, it's one of the best in the world. But how is it practiced? We still mm. have society going on. We still, have, you know. So I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be politically correct. I want to say things where they are. But then again, I look at the fact that. Governments alone can't do it. Mm -hmm. We can partner with them. But you see, government has to do its part first. And mm. play, play the role. Don't get involved in, you know, they say, oh, don't, don't sell recharge cattle. Don't play the role of infrastructure development, power supply. If there's anything government can do, power education. I think, uh, yeah, power education and what else? Healthcare. And healthcare. Those three, they are the three fundamental pillars of survival. If that's fixed, we cannot begin to say aspiration, self actualization. And number one, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If we don't do that, Tony, we'll be going around the circle. We say all the rhetorics, say all the right things, but we're not going to be able to achieve satisfactory progress because we don't have those fundamentals in place. Right. Wow. Wow. This is this has been fun. So let me. There, there's been comments here. Let me try and bring some of those in. Um. Okay. Valerie Maya said yes. The mindset of um, African Center is paramount. Private industry voice is powerful. Leading in the community will empower hundreds and thousands locally. Um, Imela, it has Ibo for thank you for your service and guidance. Um, Owen Abiola Oloke says, great session. Um, I don't want to talk about the dark forces. <laughs> but yeah, I just say, um, you know, there's sabotage. So my own um the way I, I see what's going on when it comes to what the, that user is trying to say because i try to process all of these things and i try to describe them in ways of a lot of the people i see even in um government the best of them mean well and we just lost um 
Chef Jules right now. So I'll try and summarize and, and wrap up. So basically, um, there's a whole lot of work that has to happen when it comes to policy development and infrastructure development to support the advancement of trade. So for us as Nataru, we keep talking about trade with Africa, but it's not something we, we engage in blindly, right? This is not a blind thing that we say trade with Africa. We are aware of the challenges. We are aware of where the opportunities are for growth. And part of why we are so involved in various platforms is there are some platforms where we've developed that is strictly for advocacy. So our Trade with Africa Business Summit, we bring stakeholders together to identify these areas and to even monitor progress in those spaces. Um, then we have the Trade with Africa Network that we've brought SMEs together and even policy leaders as well, where we do business coaching, policy coaching, master classes. Um, we do events there because we know even when we marshal a troop of people, we have to upskill them. Because if you marshal an army and the army is not ready to go to war, when I say war, to go after trade and capture trade opportunities, there's a problem. What you have is people without the right skill set. When we talk about um, the, the next gold rushes in Africa, you've listened to Chef Jules talk about all of the incredible um, value chain opportunities. She's openly shared with us the, 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 the successes, the wins in our production, in our product um, creation, the innovation that she's bringing into that space. She's also openly talked to us about the challenges, the infrastructure challenges, where she's spending about 40% you know, of our budget in, in basic power generation. And that is true for a lot of people, which are things that we need to bring to the surface to say under the AFCFTA, for, for example, our local market is Nigeria, for them to win, for the private sector to be able to compete um, with the rest of Africa, this has to be, um, you know, this has to be addressed. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up today's session. I hope you had a great time. Um, this is this live session. I've actually revamped it in preparation for the coming year. Um, we now have speakers even lined up into March. <laughs> so I'm so excited now um, because, we, you know, part of the work that I do behind the scene, I'm finding out that the conversations I have one-on-one -on -one with people is not visible and other people could be learning from it and growing from it as well. So next week, we're going to have uh, Mr. Adiemi from Michigan is the president of GABA um, Association, Global Africa Business Association out of Michigan. And we're going to talk about even um, um, opportunities for the African-American and diaspora community to re-engage with the continent. So I'm looking forward to that next week, Tuesday. You're going to be joining me. And then um, I'll keep, and now maybe I'll keep, if you're a member of, um, of our Trade with Africa Network, is membership subscription base. You already have seen the schedule of activity. So we'll release the names of the speakers that we've lined up into um, March as well. We're growing that list as well. So um, thank you so much. Um, if you're members of the network, you, you can see our uh, upcoming programs, our coaching session, business coaching. The next one we have lined up is for SMEs, small, medium-sized enterprises. And the topic is about how to build globally relevant brand and we'll cover export development, business development, branding, and all of those things of, these are the things you have to do 
foundation that really the customer may not care about. But here are the things as well that it's not just about the product, it's the customer experience, it's the packaging and all of those things that being able to win regionally and globally uh, means. Okay. So for those of our community members, um, you know, part of the work that I do with individual people in personal coaching, what I'm doing now is packaging that and doing a lot of group coaching and helping people build their businesses. So I want to thank um, Chef Jules, all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, for joining us today. She's she's amazing. She's incredible. Um, she's one of those people that is just loaded with a whole lot of um, um, information. And I know she, she's joining me right now. She's calling me right now um, that I, I'll respond to her. I think it's part of the um, challenges that we have. Let me, let me pick the call and see. <laughs> hey, my dear. We're still live. I'm... I'm you want to come? Okay. Yes. If you can still come back, I was, um, and then officially, um, we can wrap this up. So yay. I see you now. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're back. I'm glad I was just trying to, you know, share that, you know, I was just announcing like the, the programs I'm planning for the community. So what we now do is every third Friday of every month, every third Friday of every month, every fourth, so second, third and fourth Fridays of every month, I have programs for my membership base. We've lost her again, unfortunately. This is technology for you. She's joining all the way from Lagos, Nigeria. Let's see if she can join us again. This is life. This is, this is real life of international trade, right? Um, time zone, she's back. Yes. No, yeah. this, this is real life. This is international business. <laughs> this is international trade. It comes with its own challenges. But I tell you, when we get this right, which yeah. we are, we are on this journey. <laughs> we are just at the beginning. I'm telling you, I am so, I'm so excited about the future that it is so unreal. You know why it's unreal? <laughs> I've, I've engaged with one of the most influential women, and she might be watching in Vietnam, Cambodia. And she wow. told me, she looked at me and said, towing. 15 years ago in Vietnam, we were facing these same challenges. Mm. We were begging people to come and invest in our region. Mm. Like she said, we were flying all over the world. We were saying, come and invest, begging people. She told me what they faced, where they owed so much money. The government owed money to old Soviet. They couldn't pay. You know what they were doing? They were manufacturing military uniforms and shipping it to old Soviet to pay off their debts after wow. the war. She said when they finished paying off the debt, they realized they had built a solid chain when it comes to textile manufacturing. Yeah. And the government was like, ooh, if we could make that for military, let's start shopping all over the world for mm. brands that we can manufacture for. And keep people employed. She told me all the story and she was like, go back to Africa. She even told me, you need to move back. <laughs> That's what she, she said. She moved back and she had to, she, I mean, back then, I wish I had listened a lot to her because she said one of the things she had to do was train the government in negotiation skills mm. because they were signing off the future, which is what's happening in Africa. She told me all the things she had to do. And she was like, Tony, don't repeat my mistakes. That was what she told me. She said, go back to that Africa. If you see this, if you see that, come and tell me. We'll go and look for money. We'll come and invest. Yes, no, Tony, you know, what you said, I just brought a story to mind. I have a friend who does uh, dry fruits, real fruits, Afi Williams. She's doing phenomenally well in the area of real fruits. She does mango, dried mangoes, pineapples and stuff. Do you know, 
from if you're coming from Illori all the way to Lagos, pastoral, your that expanse of lands, like almost like one hour drive on that express, you see mango trees. And I asked, we we're just asking, like, I feel it was like, you know what, of all the mangoes that we produce in Nigeria, we really can't use them to produce our dried fruits because the quality of what's produced is not okay. So the, the farming processes that we use to produce the mangoes are not even right. And so they have to be importing mangoes at the point like, let me just move my factory from Nigeria to Ghana because of that gap. Even though we have this vast resource, it's not well tapped. So, like, when you just said yeah. this idea of, you know, so I just thought, okay, why, why can't, no, this issue of, conversation with Africans and then manufacturing. I think if you can fix manufacturing sector, we can see that Vietnamese kind of group, because you see that they were manufacturing and they have this chain of, you know, conveyor belt style operations. If you can have that in Nigeria, well, we don't have to depend on power supply. I'm sure they probably have power supply in Vietnam. They have power supply yeah, there, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so we I don't have that. So yeah. how can we now compete with a company okay. like Ghana? One thing I'll just say right now, all of you that are innovators and leading in your industry, not just within your industry, across industry, because you talked about real fruits, you all need to be part of the network and you need to be watching all the content I'm producing. Because I have like a lady, Masabata, she's 23 years old. She was one of my speakers in South Africa. She's helping farmers in South Africa to produce to global gap standards, which is what you just talked about. There are international standards of how you plant, your soil must be tested, this number of fertilizer must not be used. Like that, that's if it's not about what you grow, it's not just the tree. Yes. It's your the planting, processes. your pro yes, she's doing that and she's building a program. And I made some introductions to with you know for her where she even spoke to buyers in Walmart so, so that she can start working and backward engineer to say, if this is what oh. a brand like Walmart is looking for, it might take me two, three years to, at least I have that knowledge of the end game. Yeah. So that's something I would strongly, we'll find a way, you and I will find a way to pull people like you, people like R into a group where you have to, all the content we have. I have, like YouTube just told me we produce like over 10,000 hours of content the last month. Wow. So, 10, yeah. Because, so I did, um, you know, I did Nigeria Investment Conference, AFCFT Roundtable. We have like, and, and I do conversations almost every week, this webinar. So we're producing and I'm making those, these are things that are I value thousands of dollars that you can't get. But mm. because I want impact, but what's going on is that many people back home in Africa is back to what I said. You have to, we are now have to learn how to fish. If you go mm. online, you need to start looking at communities. You need to get out of the bubble called Nigeria, for yes. example. Yes. You need to start saying, what did Egypt do? Yeah. What did Morocco? I featured one of our speakers from Morocco. She's the managing director for um, American Morocco Chamber of Commerce. And she said, Morocco doesn't have oil. So they only power through solar. And they have, uh, the, world's they have the world's largest solar farm. We uh, all on the call, we were like, we did not know that. So hmm. Morocco is now a springboard for launching into Spain because of proximity to Europe. So American brands go there, they produce there, but what they are producing for the European markets. So how is Morocco surviving and thriving 
without oil. Without oil. Yes. So those are the questions I would say private leaders like you, like her, you all need to break out of the mic. Like there's work is happening across Africa. Right? How do you become a part of that movement? And I hope we're not losing you again. Um, but how no, do you okay? So that's that's my that's what I'm walking away with because we have a lot of information, we have a lot of direct channels to global decision makers, and I'm seeing that leaders like you, that information is not penetrating, and we can yes, match I'm glad you mentioned uh, AFC F FTA. I'm glad you mentioned that. This is one of the things I'm going to really pursue in the new year and see, okay, fine, you mentioned, I'm going to come back here, uh, Tony, yeah. after, you know, while, okay, fine, you know, let's do a scorecard. Let's, you know, you know, no, see you know, how far we're going to go. I'm going to really pursue it vigorously and see, harness the opportunities that this has presented. I'm going to come back here and, and, and really out for you if it has really works. Yes, and you have me. I'm, I'm here to support you. We have materials. We have info. I have direct channels. Like you have me. Okay. So I want to thank you again. Um, this is real life. This is international thank trade. <laughs> this is the real stuff. Um, it's what time is it in Lagos, Nigeria now? Seven, eight, six. What's the time? It's uh, six twenty-two. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like yes. Thank Yes, you know, these are the things, you know, and thank you again. And today's session is sponsored by my beauty brand. You know, you and I have talked about my brand, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You, you know, and we've we've actually um, redesigned our packaging. I'm seeing if I, um, we've re redesigned our packaging. In Nigeria, I mean, I, I mean, I, see, I was looking for makeup to put on, like, okay, where can I? <laughs> yeah, can and I it has, yeah, it has, shea, it has shea butter. And see the packaging as well. It's now available on Amazon and all of that. And it's Ashe Butter, it's color changing. So we don't just talk, right? This, oh. this is real supply chain talk about products, about movement of things. And we face, we face real life, we face real challenges as well. And we overcome because a lot of times people see, when I say trade with Africa, they see it through the lens of, oh, fluffy. Oh, say, you know, it sounds really amazing. No, behind the scenes, it's just like when you go into a Walmart, you go in, you experience a Walmart, but in the back office, things yeah. are happening. Work is really <laughs> going on. And that's that's what yeah. we've exposed to people. Um, we, to, oh, wow, we've had more comments coming. Um, okay. Okay. There are tools left on the ground. They are compromised and... Yeah, okay, maybe I'll, I'll manually respond to them later, but I know time has gone. You have to go back. Yeah. I pulled you off the uh, production line, um, but thank yeah. you so much. We want, to stay, we want to stay connected with your story. Uh, maybe one thing I want to do now, maybe let's do a write-up about you that would accompany this video. Maybe a full-page ad in our community for you. So if anybody oh. wants to contact you because it's this, oh, this, thank yeah, you so much no no no. you know me now this is not so this is we are, even though we are sharing this anyway anyway you you have me okay god bless you my dear i love you thank you for doing this okay. i must say i must say thank you so much for what you're doing you're not just a talker you're a doer i really thank you so much for the content the strategy you put in place even the products that you have i mean the proof of what you've been saying is also in your products so I'm really proud of you, Tony, and I look forward to also seeing your brand here in Nigeria 
I don't want to only buy it from Amazon. I want to see it in my local stores here as well. So as you bring it in Nigeria, so one will also be able to patronize you. So please, we're here waiting for you. The my market dear, is ready for you as well. My <laughs> dear, my dear, you are in all shop right now. Give me your contacts. Eh? Let's talk to your shop right manager. Okay. Okay. Uh, hey. deal, deal, deal. <laughs> Let's launch all over beauty all shop right yes. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, absolutely. That's how it's done. <laughs> Ask for what you want and you will get it. So, you contact, you reach me, we can talk about, you see, I'm a businesswoman. We can talk about rev share, whatever, blah, 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 manager. We, those are things. I tell people, you don't like talking about money. That's why you're not in business. We, we are business people. <laughs> oh, this is such amazing. These are the types of conversations. So, my live show is really, it's not stuffy. It's just, coffee break coffee conversation yeah. the type of conversation yeah. i have with people so i already announced our speaker next year is um um from michigan and me myself and him as well we talk about diaspora engagement in trade yeah. with africa we also talk about opportunities in america where there are um zones um you know economic zones designated that are tax safe tax havens if you were to yeah. do things in certain communities you actually, you, you won't pay tax. Like, there's so many things. So we're going to talk about that next week so that diasporas can start seeing some of your products. If mm. you want to do exports, we can take advantage of those opportunities. We also feature, like, um, opportunities like Exim Bank, um, Afri Exim Bank, because if you're even in business, you know how it is. You, you know, you were talking about financing and all of that. You, yes. We'll take it offline. And I said, oh, you're a candidate for our business coaching. We'll take it. You graduated. <laughs> If I can awesome, say so, awesome. if you will give me permission to take a little bit of credit in your amazing success, <laughs> please go ahead. You're already a shareholder in a success story. Oh, thank you. You know, we all we all want to be a part of winning people. You're 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 right there. Thank you, my dear. God bless you. Thank you, so thank you everyone. Well oh thank no, you thank, thank you. See you again next week. And Na 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 na